Bet365 sponsor our podcast and feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. With the domestic season returning, you can use the Bet365 Bet Builder to combine a wealth of bets, including match results, players to score, number of goals, to create your own personalised bet. And... If you want to feel closer to the action, then use the Bet365 Match Live feature. Become part of Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company, by downloading the app from your app store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Recurrent, a podcast about a life following Watford Football Club. Brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Jason. Good evening. And still at Vicarage Road because he was there for the game is Mike. Yep, still here, sat in a slightly chilly uh, Vicarage Road watching the Watford substitutes run time and time again round the centre circle. <laughs> the whole, you mean the actual circle or do you mean the... the the, no. the, the the circles, yeah, the you know, the white lines one. Yeah, they're using the, they're using the centre circle as a basically as a running track. <laughs> so there you go. That's the current scene here at Vicarage Road at whatever time it is on uh, on Friday evening as we get this championship season underway. Yeah, uh, it is Friday, and Watford have won a one nil at home to Middlesbrough. So I'm uh, having a beer. I think it's uh, it's been a while uh, for this, but I suppose. It hasn't been a while in, in terms of what we've seen at football and of, of Watford, and we weren't quite sure how much things would change. There were a lot of changes since the Arsenal game. Uh, only three survived uh, from that performance. But as a performance that we saw, Mike, it, it wasn't pretty, necessarily. It, it wasn't dominant, which everyone wished for. It was certainly defensive, but it was exactly what we needed. Yeah, in terms of a win, um, three points, starting the season in, in a positive fashion, which is always going to be important, especially after the way we ended last season. And we saw that, you know, there was a hangover, wasn't there, from the year before, and, and we never managed to shake ourselves out of that slump. So the bottom line is winning our opening game is, is hugely positive. You know, there's no, no argument there. I think there is a case of it's welcome to the championship, isn't it? And I think there's going to be a lot of these games where all that matters is, is the result, because ultimately, we want to be looking up the table. We want to be looking to to attempt to bounce back into the Premier League, and to do that, it doesn't. The, the, the results are far, far more important than the than the performances, I would say. But I do think it's a, it is a bit of a reality check on on two counts. One, one the team. Um, I think we've seen a, um, a a very different team than than a few people might have expected, and I think it might be a bit of a reality check as to the the, the number of players that are going to be leaving Watford in the next two or three. Weeks, but also perhaps we can't really comment on that because we don't know what's happening. But what we what we have seen and what we do know for certain is that it was a, a scrappy game, pretty low on quality. I don't think it's too harsh harsh to say. Two teams almost really cancelling each other out. Keepers didn't have much to do. So yeah, welcome back to the championship, lads mm-hmm. and lasses. Overall, this was our first game. It was the first competitive game for a new manager and a, a lot of players. And by far, that's exactly what I've taken. DCW did say on the on the group he'd take one nil uh, for the next forty odd games. I don't think I'd take that, um, but I definitely would take it today. It was 
Ivic's first game uh, as a championship Watford head coach, Jason. Uh, what, what was the Ivic way today? We, we think we know what it, it could be by looking at what he's done in the past. But what, what do we see today? 3-4-3? Three, three? Yeah, I think it was 3-4-3 three, three again. It, it, the, the, the three looks more of a three than I thought they did last week it looked like a 2-1 the front three or the back three <laughs> the front sorry the, the front three I should yeah we should remember that the front three looked, my, looked like more of a three there seemed to be a lot more fluidity in terms of the positions they were taking up on the pitch certainly Big Ken was was getting about the pitch and was sort of popping up in in all sorts of uh, in areas and we didn't seem as as attack minded and using the width as much as we did last week and, and it's one thing playing in a friendly versus playing in a competitive game, regardless of who the opposition is. Um, you could see Middlesbrough themselves were full of energy. They were ready to close us down at every opportunity. They didn't give us much time on the ball at all. And at times we tried to play that sort of high-tempo passing game where we were sort of pinging passes around between the Middlesbrough players. But at times they would continually push and press. Um, and we were not sloppy on the ball, but just rushed into into making the odd stray pass or having to to get the ball up the pitch quicker than perhaps we would have liked. What was the Ivic way? Probably what we were told the Ivic way would be in terms of we were very, very solid at the back. We allowed them very few opportunities. And when we got that early goal, there was sort of no danger of, of us giving that up in any way. And... and uh, letting Middlesbrough back into the game easily. Yeah, Mike, unfortunately for you, you've been at the game and you didn't get the lovely insight of Don Goodman and uh, Mick McCarthy uh, uh, on the television. Uh, they were definitely very much praising the defensive attitude of Watford. But, you know, let, let's talk about some of those individuals. We, we, we can't, we have to sort of start, you know, they gave him the man the match. He, he didn't get put up for the interview post-match. Craig Cathcart did that because good old Jao Pedro, I don't think his English is quite up to, to scratch quite yet. But, you know, throughout the whole game, you know, he was getting closer and closer with his chances. He was imposing himself more and more and more. You know, he, he, he was beginning to really purr, wasn't he, Mike? And he was, he was really starting to show what we want him to become. But just yeah. beginning to. Yeah, and I, th- I think there was a, initially when you saw the team sheet and you saw he is the only only striker really on the pitch. I think, oh crikey, we're putting all our eggs in a in a very young and quite slight basket. You do wonder, you do, or, or the worry is that throwing an 18-year-old in, in effectively at the deep end, tough game against Middlesbrough, season opener, championship football, something he's not not used to, and he, he did worry for him a little bit. But I thought one of the things that really pleased me with his was his sort of physicality he wasn't he wasn't overawed he wasn't worried he wasn't bullied he he held his own and he looked he looked absolutely fantastic i thought physically he was he was he was brilliant but better than that is was like you say he did start to purr his footwork is is terrific the ball just stays stuck to his feet and he just moves he's very nimble his body shape is is obviously very very difficult to to defend against and uh, he popped up certainly a couple of times in in the first half, didn't quite get as much of the uh, of look. Of, uh, didn't quite get as much of a uh, a look at the goal, if you like, in the in the second half. But he certainly um, was sniffing around in the, in the first. And yeah, a lot a lot of promise um, from from João Pedro tonight, especially when you consider the circumstances, which is you know a new team, new head coach, new division, uh, and difficult opposition. So yeah, I was really really impressed with him, and I think the. You know, there's going to be a lot, to, a lot to come from him because we were hopeful. He, he was one of the ones that he came on, didn't he? he? Had a brief cameo in that last game at Arsenal that you mentioned, John, and he looked great. And I think we can, 
we can have high hopes for, for him. He looked, he looked great tonight, really. Definitely one of the shining lights, if not the. Own, is the only shining light? Is that a bit harsh? <laughs> That's harsh. Yeah, it is a bit harsh. But we all knew he was going to be playing a lot more this year because they gave him number 10. Yeah. As a number to wear. You can't, you know, if you're, you know, not, I know it's not quite single digits. Uh, but he, he, you know, when you've got a low number like that, you expect a player to play a lot of games of football. We love a, a young player, and we were expecting young players, Jason, to be a big part of this team. Uh, Queener and Ngakia had a, you know, great games last week. That wasn't a competitive game. This was a competitive game. Did, were they as, as, as uh, imposing uh, as you thought they would be? Uh, I think it was a different game for Ngakia tonight. I think last week we saw him used extensively, sort of moving forwards, using his width as, as the wing back, as we talked about. I think it was a, a different game because we seem to be using or trying to use Kiko's pace more uh, when we were getting it wide as, as an attacking force. And Gakia didn't get as many opportunities to, to get forward. Um, less first half, maybe a couple of times second half, he got, he got a bit further up the pitch. Uh, there was one opportunity where Pedro's played, a, we were talk, just talking about him and, and his vision and intelligence for such a young lad. He played a great ball into the, the centre and Gakia made a good run, but then just couldn't control the ball, which is a shame. It would have been a, a good move and a good goal if he'd been able to slot it away. Um, but yeah, he, he seemed to be under more defensive responsibilities this week. And, and we talked at the start about going one nil up, holding on to it, being solid at the back, and, and you can understand why why that happens. Your wing back needs to be responsible defensively as well as attacking, and if you're gonna sit back and hold on to a one nil lead, then you're gonna find yourself in your own half of the pitch more often than not. For Keener, not on it as much as he was last week. He, he again was getting about the pitch, he's a part of that front three again and we saw him sort of popping up, maybe not as much across the line as we saw Ken doing. And I thought at times his decision making wasn't quite on it as it was last week. Some of the passes went astray, but it's one game. He's young, the talent's still there. It's going to be tough. It's a very different lineup. No one's going to be perfect on opening night, so you know we can we can probably allow in that one. Yeah, the the the, the first game in the championship certainly seemed to maybe be a factor for. For him, for Keener, um, especially uh, against a uh, Neil Warnock side, uh, which mm-hmm. is very champion- championship e. Now, two players, Mike, who have already played for Watford in the championship, but were a little bit younger, uh, was Nathaniel Chalabar and Tom Cleverley. Again, shining out, no, but they worked hard and yeah. they were absolute professionals. Yeah, I mean, I think of the two, I think Cleverly, I thought, was, was was terrific, really, the way he got around the pitch, and he just put the work in. He, if you imagine a, a, a good Tom Cleverly performance, that's exactly what we got tonight. Of course, he was captain as well, and I think that strikes me as a as a decent choice. You need someone in there with that strength, that tenacity, that know-how, that experience, and I think we got all of that from Tom Cleverly tonight he showed all his all his best bits really I thought he was a really really important player for us and will continue to be so uh, he obviously had a, a rough time with injuries last year no no time no signs of him being worried about about any injuries or, or, or fitness he was you know going into into some really really tough challenges and no quarter asked or given from from Cleverly so I was really really impressed with him and I think as I was watching and thinking about the championship season that awaits I was just thinking how important he is going to be for us and I think he showed exactly why tonight Chalabar just continues to frustrate for me because we've seen what he can be like in the in the championship haven't we we've seen him pop up with goals we saw him 
super, super talented, but he just seems to be a little bit off the boil, a little bit sort of, you know, the compass is just a couple of degrees away from, from perfect north, and I'm not sure what it is. Um, I think he's, he's obviously suffered with injuries as well, and, and from a personal point of view, his, his career has stalled to a degree, hasn't it? He was on the fringes of the England side. I think he might have even had the call-up, and he got injured. He came on, didn't he? He came on for about two and a half minutes. And then got the injury, didn't he? So he's had a tough time, so I do understand... Um, you know, mentally it might might be difficult for him, and but it just doesn't look quite right for for me. I think he's he looks um, potentially concentration might be an issue, but flashes tonight I thought of how important he could be in uh, in in a championship side, and I think that is why I mentioned at the top how important just getting a win is, because if this side the the team that we saw tonight is a good championship side, there is a lot of talent for this level in, in that eleven, and what will happen is if we, if they can get confidence. They will look better and better and better very, very quickly. And I think if, if, if this turns into a winning Watford side, then I think that will suit Nathaniel Chalabar. And it might sound obvious, but I think we need to kickstart him somehow. And he needs something underneath him. And I think perhaps if he chips in with a couple of goals, chips in with a couple of decent performances where he feels he's contributed, all of a sudden Watford are at the top of the, looking towards the top of the championship. He's feeling like he's contributing to a successful side doing things. Then I think we might see the Nathaniel Chalabar that we're all desperate to see because we haven't seen it for a while. So yeah, decent enough from him tonight, but I still think he's a, li- he's a little bit off the pace for me and something not quite right. Watford were, as Jay said, guilty of giving the ball away a couple of times and, uh, and he has a propensity to do that. And we need, uh, we need him to eradicate that from his game, really. I'm going to cut in. I think we've been a little bit harsh. John at the top said, they weren't they weren't sort of shining lights. I think when you sort of ask the question, and then we've had a bit of a dig at, at Chalabar. No one in centre midfield is going to stand out with any sort of flair or sense of pizzazz when we play the way that we play tonight. Cleverly was my man of the match. I think I, I would have given him the man of the match award. I thought as a captain, he led by example. Uh, the challenges he was putting in, the way his energy around the pitch. There was a moment I think where he's a ball looked like it was about to go out for a corner and he chased back and, and cleared it away. And, and it was just that constantly 100% from him, doing everything that's been asked of him. Chalabar, yeah, there were a couple of languid moments, but again, it was very much a, I don't know, a, a, an unsung, unfussy performance from him. Again, not being asked to, to show any attacking flair, but doing a solid job in midfield. And OK, like you say, he's not not 100%, but like we said with Keenan, we're not sort of really laying into Keenan too much. I, I think it was it was much better from him. Um, you're right, we need to get back to what we saw a couple of seasons ago. Ideally, what we want is the performance that we saw at Reading in the League Cup a few years back when he came back from injury. Mm. That's the chalibre we want. And, and hopefully, hopefully, it's not too far away. It could just be a run of games for him. But, but Mike, yeah, Cleverly was captain. There were, of course, and there are going to be lots of rumours about um, players going, uh, one of them being a former team club captain, Troy Deeney. You know, Cleverly was, was the captain today. The wise choice for you? I mean, who else could have who got it? Craig or, or, or Ben and goal? Yeah, Ben, I think those two are the, are the ones you, you potentially mentioned as, as captains. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I thought Cleverly was the, was the perfect choice. He's, he's vocal, he's, he's committed, he's in a, in a part of the pitch where he, he can see what's going on. And it's just his experience, isn't it? I think he's a senior professional. And yeah, and for me, he's the, he's the perfect choice of captain. Because as you say, John, this is a very, very difficult, different, 
peculiar time in in so many ways you know i'm still here at vicarage road there's no one here there's going to be no one here for the for the foreseeable future the the you know the status of the squad is completely up in the air we don't know who's coming who's going that you know the likelihood is is going to change a huge amount you know i saw watford when they put the squad numbers out there was lots of people non-watford fans jumping on it saying oh my gosh what a squad that's amazing they're going to absolutely romp it whereas we all know that the reality is that you know 10 of them could disappear in the next next two weeks they may they may not but that's another part of realizing you're you're in the championship i think when we saw the side today and we sort of basically players not playing for whatever reason that's what happens when you when you get relegated you're you're in a situation where the best players are going to depart the club so it's a hugely hugely odd difficult peculiar challenging time for Watford, which is why it's great we won today, but also yeah, why I think the the role of captain is is incredibly important, and why uh, cleverly was a was a really good choice. Fair play to Tom today, I thought. Uh, Jason, we've talked about how it was a defensive performance. There were three at the back, but of course there weren't only three defending. Uh, but out of those back three, you know, we saw goal from Craig Cathcart, uh, some some good stuff from Ben Wilmot, but the standout really was Christian Cabaselli, Really, yeah, it's good to see. Cabaselli put a good performance in it. He, he often stands out when he's not had a good game. So for him to have a good game, and I think right across the back three, we were pretty good. I mean, Wilmot occasionally showed his, his, uh, inexperience, but as a three, I thought they did, did pretty well. And I, I really, I, to be honest, yeah, Cabaselli's had a, had a great game and that's good to see. I, I really want to say, um, also give mention to Cathcart as well, because he's come back from two, international games a very tough second game against Norway where they were shipping goals and uh, the young lad Harland um, I think made Cathcart look a bit silly <laughs> every now and again so would have been tough for him to then sort of come back late in the week join up with the team be part of the preparation for that team sort of get into that late and then being a big part of the team and, and, and scoring a goal from a corner we've matched the number of goals from corners that we scored last season already fantastic fantastic stuff so yeah all round I think a, a positive performance from our defence well that's a change and a clean sheet is definitely a change uh, for Watford um, I think Mike though you know, we did see a little bit of Murray, but but not really a lot. It was lovely seeing Kiko again, someone I didn't think we'd see a lot of this year. And he, he put a good performance in before going off injured. But I, I think that the player, I know we've talked about Pedro and being excited about him, but my true excitement, the ring really got me excited today, was seeing big Ken Semmer out on that wing. Ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and he played well. He played well, I thought. You know, neat touches, um, strong, and he looks like he's enjoying it. He looks like he's committed. He looks like he's he means business, and he, and he's skillful as well, which I think potentially didn't get the credit, doesn't get the credit for, uh, doesn't get the credit he deserves for. So yeah, a real. I've got a, I've got a funny feeling, like you, John. Your spirits lift a little bit when it when it comes to cuddly Ken, doesn't it? Um, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be an important player for Watford this season. I think, you know, I, I keep thinking back to um, to our successful last Championship season and the, and the sort of characters that we had in that side. You know, there was people like Joel Ekstrand and Fernando and and Alman Abdi. There was lots of different types of players, weren't they? Perhaps not. not perhaps not. Um, individually, ones that you'd you'd pick out for your fantasy team if you're in the in the Premier League. But as a as a as a unit, they they came together. You know, Ken Sem has got a touch about of that about him. Someone who's who is a, is a really important piece of the jigsaw puzzle, a sort of an integral part of a successful team. 
busy, confident, um, happy on the ball, uh, you know, wholehearted. Looks like he enjoys it. Like I say, I think he, I think he could be a real, a real benefit. When he came off, when he came off, he was sat down in the dugout just in front of me to my left, you know, chattering away excitedly with, with the other players down there, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, people are either engrossed in the game or, uh, you know, not really talking. But he was very, very. Um, uh, emotive, very, um, you know, lots of gesticulating, lots of talking, the, the occasional smile. So yeah, I think he, I think he's quite a character, which obviously isn't everything. We'd, we'd, we'd rather they were, everyone did their talking on the pitch, but I do think characters and personality are going to be important in a, in a successful championship side and season. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think he could be one of them. And I thought it was a, it was a, a decent performance today. One of our, again, one of the, the better performance. I think Jason's right. They, as a unit, they did, probably did what they were asked. You know, they went ahead, early from a set piece you know made the most of of a corner you know I think we had six corners in that first half and uh, we were comfortably on top really and they made the most of one of them didn't they they made it count and then they and then they they didn't shut up shop as much but they made it very very difficult for Middlesbrough and and, and saw the game out so ultimately the the 11 or the, the the team that went out there have done the job and I think they all deserve credit for that. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the Rookery End. From the Rookery End is part of the uh, Athletics Podcast Network and, and, and we get to, to have Adam Leventhal, the Watford correspondent, on the podcast on a weekly basis. We're going to be having this post-weekend podcast, of course, as we've always done on From the Rookery End. But we're going to be doing a second podcast near the sort of middle end of the week, Thursday morning for sure. Uh, where we'll definitely get Adam on to talk about everything that he sort of sees coming on. Uh, and we do want your questions for Adam in our feature we're going to call Ask Leventhal. Uh, you can ask him anything you like, uh, and if he wants to answer it, he will. <laughs> no, but we'll, we, we want to see, yeah, get you guys more involved with the podcast. So, uh, especially if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, then please, uh, in the comments of this episode, you can leave questions for Adam, uh, and we'll get to them as many as we can in future episodes. And straight after the game, Mike caught up with Adam uh, to find out about what's going on, particularly with transfers, uh, and what he was paying attention to at the game tonight. The final whistle has just gone here at Vicarage Road, and, and I'm joined through our masks by uh, the Athletics Watford correspondent, Adam Leventhal. So, Adam, first game of the championship season. How was it being here in the ground this, this evening? Well, I think we, we bumped into each other, didn't we, on the way in, and, and we sort of both shuddered when we sort of walked back into the Sir Elton John stand once again. It, it sort of brought back some horrible memories towards the end of our last season, didn't it? But, um, no, it's good to be back. Good to see some football again. And although it wasn't pretty... Um, all in all, it's it's good to get the three points and, and just sort of just get that out of our system. You know, we're not going to have a sort of a really really difficult start to the season where we're waiting ages and ages last season, waiting for that first victory. So I think that was all that mattered today. Three points from a set piece, ugly against the pretty ugly side. <laughs> uh, you know, in Middlesbrough, and yeah, we did it. I've picked up um, the uh, Middlesbrough keeper calling the referee Keith. Yes. Which, which is his name, so it's fair, but you pick up all these sorts of yeah. things being here. The, Keith, Keith, what's the offside? What's this? What's that? Any other little bits and bobs that you picked up being, being here during, during the game? Well, I think it was very noticeable towards the end of the game. Neil Warnock was a lot more vocal. Yes. Uh, it was a lot more like the, the Neil Warnock that we know and know. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, just talking about uh, the, the time wasting and, uh, and things like that, which was, you know, quite interesting to hear. But just in general, it, it's still such an eerie feeling being in the ground, isn't it? I mean, people watching at home, obviously, you know, can, they can either have the crowds, crowd noise on um, or not, but just being in here, it still feels very, very odd. I think that's, I think that's really important to highlight that it is a difficult playing environment and watching environment actually i know there's probably a little bit of envy that those of us we you know i do feel privileged to to be here and uh, lucky to be here but it is a difficult environment to play in and so you do have to um give some credit to the players for coming to terms with with playing in, in this difficult environment let's just rewind to before the game and when we saw the the team come out now obviously we know there's a lot of variables going on at the moment at the, at the football club lots of things changing lots of things up in the air some noticeable absentees this this evening and call me a cynic but there is a sort of uh, fairly apparent correlation with players that are missing uh, and players that are rumored to be de- be departing i think one of the one of the absentees that will have caught the eye this evening especially considering a decent showing against Spurs at the weekend was uh, Purvis Estupinian. You know, the club tweeted that he he's had a knock. That may well be the case. But if he was, for example, to, to leave, where does that where does that leave Watford? I know there's been a bit of interest from Villarreal, it, it would appear, during the day. Yeah, I've, I've been told by um, a source close to Purvis Estupinian that a move is relatively imminent. <laughs> yeah, Villarreal is, is one of the sides that he could potentially go to. Uh, I know that you know Granada and Real Sociedad have also been interested. We know that Atletico Madrid have also uh, been interested in him. So it seems as if that one is gathering pace. And yeah, obviously it's going to be disappointing if he goes, but it would be expected for someone like that to go because of his performances in La Liga last season. He's been wanted by Barcelona in the past, and and all this sort of stuff. So look, you know, he's he's above this level. But the problem is for Watford, if they lose him, they've also got Messina missing as well. So that means that they really do need bodies in at left back. And obviously we saw um, Kiko play there today. He's also one that is potentially going to be heading out. So you know, in in both fullback areas. There's a lot of players who are either going to leave or are injured at the moment. So it, it leaves them a little bit threadbare. So, yes, it, that's one to watch. But just in general, I mean, it, is, it does feel a very, very weird scenario that you've got so many players out of the side, um, so many different priorities, I suppose, for, for the players. Meanwhile, Vladimir Ivic is just trying to sort of get a team together and, and fair play, they've got a victory. That's all that matters. Absolutely. A difficult time, lots of different moving parts. We'll just have to wait and see what transpires. Now, as you've heard there, Adam has obviously got his, um, his ear to the, ear to the ground. Um, you'd have seen his, his pieces on the athletic and his sterling work on Twitter asking as many, answering as many of your questions as we can. But we thought we'd give you guys the opportunity to ask Adam on a, on a more regular basis on the podcast. So listen out for that, um, coming up in future podcasts. But we have got a first question for you in this Ask Adam feature. Uh, Adam, it's John, who is 40, from Oxy. I don't know if you could... If you're, are you imagining John already? I, uh, yeah, he sounds like a lovely man, yeah. He does. So, hello, John, 40, from Oxy. Adam, John asks, Adam, you got to see uh, Vladimir Ivic in his press conference this week. What are your first impressions of Watford's new head coach? I was very impressed. It was early in the morning. I was sort of thinking, is this going to be a bit of a damp squib? But I was very impressed by what he said, the detail that he put into it, um, his clarity of, of, of points that he made. 
he was very knowledgeable of his squad, which I think was, you know, it's good on the club to actually give him a bit of time to get used to the, the club, to his surroundings and all that before actually putting him in front of the press. And that came through in that first press conference. He was able to articulate the points. He was speaking with a, a position of, you know, power within the, within the dressing room. He knows exactly what he wants. He also is very accepting of the, the weird scenario that we're in. He, you know, he called it unusual that, you know, we're in this situation with COVID and also having suffered a relegation and having to then, you know, put a side together when you know that a lot of players aren't either available for selection, don't want to play or whatever, or being wrapped in cotton wool so you can, you know, get 40 million for them or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I was very impressed. He was very cool. He was very calm and he answered all all the questions, didn't sort of, didn't get itchy at any point and was very, very clear. So, yeah, my answer would be I'm very, very impressed. So a decent showing in front of the cameras at the at the press conference. What about this evening? I believe you've been paying close attention to his uh, demeanour and in activities on the on the touchline today. Yeah, it's the piece that I'm doing, which will be out on the Athletic, is um, basically Vlad watch, um, keeping as close an eye on him as possible. I mean, as we're speaking right now, he's actually doing his post match. Um, interviews throughout the game it was it was interesting you know very very early the contrast between him and Neil Warnock I mean Neil Warnock wasn't he wasn't too sort of flamboyant this evening but but on the whole you know Ivic is very cool very calm arms crossed very slow pace around his technical area that got a little bit more frantic towards towards the end of the game when it looked like you know Middlesbrough were pushing for an equaliser but it was also interesting watching you know the detailed conversations that he had with his with his players drawing them across just that the, the main sort of emphasis of the thing that things that he was saying was you know keep keep your shape make sure you know when the ball is in the Middlesbrough half push up you know defend defend higher up um, he was having conversations with um, Domingos Kina. He uh, was also having very many conversations with, with Tom Cleverley, the captain, just to pass on instructions. And then right at the end, I noticed, which I, you know is in the article as well, when there was a free kick last minute, Glenn Murray um, was tripped. And then we, um, we saw Tom Cleverley grab the ball. He grabbed it and thought, right, yeah, I'm captain, I'm going to have this. And then the call, very sort of pointedly from Vladimir Ivic, right to the centre of the... Um, the edge of the penalty box was Navarro <laughs> and he was like and then cleverly looked over and thought well, who's told you who's? he came over and went oh yeah I'm having it but no no the gaffer's just told me I'm having it and Tom cleverly looked over and went oh okay fair enough I'm not going to argue with I'm not going to argue with the gaffer he had the free kick it was a poor free kick but it was quite interesting it was just like no Bosch I know I want him taking the free kick and it happened so yeah that's the piece that's out on the athletic um Vlad watch and uh, you'll find out a little bit more about what I see and also some of the reflections from his uh, from his news conference as well which will be which will be happening very very shortly indeed yes it's a good start uh, it's a clean sheet we won the game and uh, we can be satisfied with the result and with three points Stupinian is uh, the guy who's worked with us in the last 10 days but uh, he has some small problem uh, during the week and uh, I take decision to don't use him because he was not 100% ready for the game but I believe that he will be fast with us I believe that we didn't do good things in, the, in our attacking movement we didn't play very well with the, with the ball uh, we had uh, to work a lot to improve this part of the game uh, because uh, we work on this part, you know, sometimes during the game, uh, something doesn't go on the way, on the right direction, how you prepare it. It was the first game. It was a lot of players who played, who did with us just seven or ten practice. 
because we had a lot of them who came to work with us after the quarantine. Fortunately, it was not enough time to to work and to to improve, especially uh, today this this part attacking part because uh, I believe that we can do much better. And uh, we need to find the reason why we didn't uh, do it on the way how we how we work. We need to work with the guys who is ready to play, who is ready to give 100% for the club, and uh, who want to be here. I mean, for me, it's very important to work with this this group of the player, who will be positive every day and who will uh, show that they are enjoy to work and they are enjoy to play for uh, what for FC. For sure, uh, it was not the game uh, on the way how it was uh, how how it could be with the fans. That mean to. This situation is not uh, not good for no one. For sure, uh, fans give uh, other adrenaline for all of the the players, for the coach, for everyone. I hope that uh, they will be with us and the stadium will be will be full in the next months. From the other side, how it was the game today? I believe that uh, it was a tough game. A lot of duels, a lot of uh, a long ball from the both side and. Uh, uh, a lot of set pieces, a lot of free kick corners, and I believe that in this kind of the game we were better, and we we score one goal, we we create I think how I remember one very good chance after in the first half after 1-0 with Joao Pedro. First game, first game uh, <laughs> for sure we have to work a lot to improve a lot of things in our game, a lot of details. What is very important, championship is a long, we have a lot of games and. Um, with Joao Pedro, showed that he he can be one of the starters in our team. Everything is depends on on him. If he will work hard, how he work, if he will show his character like today, he will play normal. We know that we have a lot of players in this position who is injured, and we, I hope that uh, they will be soon with us, not just from this position and other positions. Now in this moment, he's uh, good job, but uh, I know his potential is uh, is big, and he need uh, to work day by day to to show his his really potential. To be honest, uh, you know, after the game you can enjoy, uh, but uh, during the game you are focused on the game. I am the guy who who want to to be. 95 minutes with the team and uh, try to to give them direction every second if possible to do it to support them to speak with them if we can do it during the game to 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 do all, to do my my job on the on the on the best way yes after the game yes we're the owns you're the owns so interesting to hear what Ivic had to say after that match did he hear passion? I'm not sure if we ever will really hear that from him, but uh, he certainly seemed fairly happy. Maybe some uh, some bits to work on, but I think that was quite obvious for, for most of us to, to see uh, in the game. Remember, Adam's staff, as well as all the work from the Athletic Journalist, uh, is only available if you subscribe. Uh, at the moment, it costs you just £1 a month for about six months, but you might get an even better offer, offer than that. Uh, so all if you want to subscribe uh, and get these podcasts absolutely ad-free, no advert at the beginning or in the middle, uh, all you have to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end and you can sign up there right now now jason mike i've got a fantastic bit of music for you uh watford uh are have started because because next year is the 
100th anniversary of Watford playing at Vicarage Road. Uh, there, as there always are when these things happen, a whole host of volunteers and people at the club sort of trying to work to, to commemorate uh, these moments. And for me, that song is so evocative, Mike, of the start of Watford, uh, you know, a game about to start, to get ready to watch Watford play. It, it, absolutely incredible what a, what a piece of music does. I mean, the obvious one is is Zed Cars, and I think those of a certain vintage might remember Chariots of Fire as well, just before kickoff. But playing that song, their WhatsApp group sort of lit up, didn't it, with people just saying, "Oh my God, it, t- it takes me right back there," and it, and it absolutely does. I it could... turned into a '90s rave collection of, uh, <laughs> of songs. Yeah, and I, and I was uh, yeah reminiscing about some of the uh, those '90s raves that I went to, and. Uh, Yes, some memories, some slightly hazier than than others. But yeah, <laughs> lis- listening to that song, I mean, you could, literally, I could be, I could picture the exact spot I'm stood in with my brother in the rookery, and the, and the feelings you have as the as the game inches ever closer. You know that when that music hits, it sort of, I don't know, it's just so exciting is is the obvious word but it is the the best way of describing it it means match day is is about to to start in earnest all the possibilities of the of the match are about to unfold in front of your eyes and amazing what a piece of music can do it was uh, yeah always great to listen to it and i think it, a, a couple of people have posted it on twitter as well and the reaction has been exactly the same basically play this before the game <laughs> absolutely uh, and so it, it's memories of vicarage road not necessarily i don't think necessarily mike it, it, it's about the the moments you've seen the, the on-pitch things that, that's sort of talked about a lot but any you know they want to know about your first match uh if you ever something special like a, a ball boy or a ball girl your whatever your first date um <laughs> But if you've got any special, imagine that was your first. I date. brought an ex-girlfriend Did to um, to Watford Luton once. <laughs> ex-girlfriend, But any souvenirs, anything, any bits of the terrace you've got, anything they really want to find out about it, uh, and you can email them uh, vic100 at watfordfc.com. Jason, what what is the thing at Vicarage Road that really provokes you and reminds you of of that place? Blimey, the, the, the thing, I don't know. I mean, obviously I am of, of slightly older vintage. Um, and I remember my first game. Uh, it was, it was quite uninspiring. It was a one nil home defeat to Shrewsbury. Set me up for life <laughs> as a Watford fan. But the thing that stands out, the thing that stands out to me was I remember being fascinated, fascinated by the scoreboard. <laughs> and yes. when, and when Shrewsbury scored, obviously it came up scorer and put his little number under where it said scorer number nine or whatever. And I remember asking my dad, say, Dad, what do they do when there's another goal? What, what, because <laughs> if there's more than one scorer, what happens? <laughs> um, and I think my dad was slightly perplexed as to why I was asking such a weird question. I was only six years old, to be fair. A career in IT was, was clear, he, um, clear from then, Jace. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I am a geek. But it, and it's that sort of my early days standing, as I sort of got a bit older, standing on the Northwest Terrace. Um, the sort of the, the early 80s and the, the promotion season up to the first division and sort of games after that um, and sort of memories of walking up to the ground, seeing the back of the scoreboard from outside yeah. the ground, walking towards it. And then we wait, we used to wait outside the exit gates with my, with my dad and, and wait for my uncle and, and their mates and the smell of Marlborough fags. I was going to say that available. smell, yes. But that smell meant football to me, yeah. and that as a, as a young lad, that it was, it was almost that sort of trigger 
it's like, mm, yeah, it smells like football. <laughs> and every now and then, and you, and, and you, you get that smell less these days, obviously, because you less people smoking in public places. Unless you're sat next to Marco Cassetti. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, every, every so often, you get that waft, and it does, and it's sort of, it's almost like a, a trigger, and I think, I recognise that smell. That's from when I used to go and watch Watford in the 80s. My, my, my things, we were, we were lucky enough when we did the podcast, this last couple of, years that there was an East End we, we got to go there in there a couple of times for a couple of like special games where we were trying to be you know journalists and stuff which we're not um, and, and I took I took a photograph um, of a toilet door because uh, there were there were moments we got to go into the, the old family room which Anne Swanson sort of built and you know she spoke to us about that in the interview that we were there um, uh, last this, uh, July last year um, and it but I had that toilet and it's an awful toilet. <laughs> I didn't go in the toilet and didn't take a picture of the urinal. But that was a toilet I used to go to at about 43 minutes or, or at certain points. Just go to the toilet. But my dad used to send me there on purpose because it happened a couple of times. Not every time, but a couple of times. What for school when I went to the toilet? <laughs> and that was always the toilet I went to. And it, it, I, it, I don't have any pleasant memories of being in the toilet. Uh, everything good happened outside. But I, that's why I took a picture. I'll try and find it on my, on my, my photo collection and, and stick up on our Instagram at What for Podcast. Um, but there's little things like that that remind me of an old Vicarage Road. Um, not necessarily the the current Vicarage Road I go to. Mine, mine, mine is 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 similar. Is about the is about the ground and a bit. It probably harks back to a, a less. Um well, safe, quite frankly, time. But I always remember walking down Occupation Road. There was the uh, the wall in front of the well that separated the road from the from the stadium, and along it was all the broken glass to stop people sort of climbing over and in. Oh God, and yeah. Was, you'd always there'd be brown grass, and, and I thought, God, someone's had to smash that glass and put it up there. Um, and it, did you build a rail stand? Yes, I did. Yes, so <laughs> I used to any opportunity. So, Part part of the rail stand, or what is now the uh, Graham Taylor. Well, what stand. happened was I, I used to badger my mum and dad because one of the other things I used I love about this this place is the the, the various incarnations of the Hornet shop because I used, used to, you know, whether it was a sticker for the car, whether it was just picking up a catalogue, anything to do with the football club as a as a kid. I used to absolutely adore. So any opportunity, I'd badger mum if we were off school. Come on, come on, let's go up to Vicarage Road see what's what's going on up there. And then one time we got onto it was the close season when they were building the the rail stand, and we sort of wandered, milled around, and the builders started talking to us, and we went in and we sort of helped mix a bit of cement and pass a few bricks down and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, we're there with me and my brother there with our Watford sweatbands on, sort of really feeling like we're helping lay the foundations for, for Watford. Uh, we're probably more of a hindrance than, than anything, and, and that's continued to this day, quite frankly, with my uh, input on, the, on this <laughs> podcast. But is it, is it that bit at the top near the, uh, near the north stand where you, you can't see if you sit in the front? No, I, d- I designed the roof, which is why it's all sort of wavy. <laughs> Um, but I'll tell you the thing that, I'm, that, that really takes me back, and I would love to get my hands on one of them, is the match day posters with that sort of stylized writing. Oh, yes. with the um, mm. with the uh, with the opposition written in that sort of slightly graffiti-ish sort of paint stroke. Yeah, and you know, th- there's there's the amazing um, old Watford um, group on on Facebook where people have got incredible collections there, and you see them pop up on there from time to time, and it's oh, what I'd give to have one of those for, from from my early games back on the. Uh, 
on my wall. They are just a, like the cigarette smoke, like the sight of the, the back of the scoreboard and all those little things, all those little triggers that you see and that give you that little shiver of excitement and still do to this, this day, don't they? But that, just seeing that font and that writing, it was unbelievable. I don't, I just remember the, the, finding the whole place so exciting that when I was stood on the on the family terrace and you'd watch the you'd watch the minutes tick down towards ninety, and I genuinely used to think about going off to hide somewhere, so I didn't have to leave, because I wanted to stay in the ground and just be close to this place and just be able to see it as much as as physically possible. And it it probably sounds a little bit daft, but. You know, we're still, we're still there today, aren't we? We're still sort of so excited about getting to come here and watch our, our team in action. But yeah, I imagine sort of sneaking off into the bowels of the stadium and hiding from mum and dad, hoping that eventually they'd give up and go home, uh, and we catch up, catch Aww. up at the next home game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark, you're still here. Well, come and sit with us, lad. Yeah, I mean, the, the group you mentioned there, Mark, is Hornet history and old stuff. A big part of what those guys do is, you know, is part of the Watford Treasury um, with their new little is it, you know, monthly, is it monthly or bi-weekly, like what it is now, yeah, yellow, and, yeah, yellow, black and red, which they've been doing uh, since lockdown, really. You know, there's lots of people, you know, talking about Watford in, in what this is, in some ways is the old days. But if, if your memories and you have these memories of, of Vicarage Road and you want to sort of share those, yeah, the email again is vic100 at watfc.com uh hopefully this sort of maybe sparks some bits off for you but anything you want to to share with them please get in contact with that we well we're not because we're not allowed to but but mike watford are off to the kassam stadium uh, to face oxford united in the second round of the carabao cup do you think that are we going to see a you know the normal heavy you know lots of changes to that starting 11 or I can't get a feeling it's not going to be the normal one, though, because normally it's like, let's put the young kids in, we don't care about it. But there's probably a lot of players who didn't play today that do need to get some minutes in them. Well, I did, you know, I mentioning earlier the sort of tumultuous sort of situation at the moment with, with so much uncertainty and um, the hard job that, that Vladimir Ivic has to, to, to meld a squad and a team together. I do wonder whether we'll use that as another game to to try and sort of bed in um, the, core, the core team and, 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 and get them used to his tactics. It's because whilst I think we did see Ivic ball today uh, to, a, to a degree, we could, it's fairly clear what he wants to achieve. It was still a little bit wobbly at times, wasn't it? wasn't quite cohesive enough to be 100% confident at 1-0. So I do wonder whether it, it comes as an opportune, uh, an opportune time, this, this League Cup time, because you know the pressure is off to a degree. There's no points at stake. How, how deep Watford want to go into a competition like that this season, I hate saying stuff like that, but really the priority is getting set and, and sorted in the Championship, isn't it? How deep they'd want to go into the, the competition is, is up for debate, but that actually might in turn play into their hands because they can go into the game dare I say, treat it as a sort of during season, pre-season friendly and, and try and just hone those tactics and try and get those partnerships um, purring and humming again. Obviously, on the flip side of that, we're Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the, for the foreseeable. So perhaps there's going to be a, a, a willingness to, to save some legs. But again, how deep is the, how deep is the squad? We, we just don't know. Fascinating, but again, it does drive home how disappointing it is not to be able to go to the games because a nice local one for us, us Watford supporters, a ground that, that, that most of us won't have been to to see Watford certainly. So, uh, a reminder there how uh, of the of the strange times we're living in. But fascinating as always when it comes to Watford to see what's going to happen. Jason, if you had to give the a, a things to do list. 
for Mr. Ivic, maybe not for that next game, but for the next sort of things you need to sort out. What, what are you thinking are, are things to work on with this new, with this current Watford squad? Wow, I think I, I think the um, the points that that Mike has made just then are quite good ones. The, just the, the bedding in, we we can see we've got a the team that played today are capable. I wonder if some of them didn't quite appreciate what it was going to be like in the in the championship. The uh, certainly from a Neil Warnock side, um, they're sort of up and at them in your faces. They didn't get the time on the ball that perhaps some of them would have been used to playing at a, a higher level or a different level. And it is just getting used to that type of football. And I'm sure Oxford will be be no different. So. I think there'll be a balance. I think there'll be a balance. And I think we've seen the likes of uh, young Dan Phillips. We haven't talked about him. He came on. That's Ivich Ball as well, isn't it? Giving the youngsters a chance. Uh, Sinclair on the bench tonight. Maybe he'll get a chance if he's been doing well enough in training to be considered for a place on the bench. Then perhaps give these guys some game time. It's not about, and with these games coming Saturday, Tuesday, it's not going to be about the same starting 11 every week. So if learning about the system that we want to play and the things that we need to do moving forward means making sure that the entire squad are capable of playing Ivich Ball, then that's what we need to do. I think it's, we know how we want to play. I think we've seen that quite evident on the, on the pitch tonight. It's making sure the players are suited to that, are used to that, are capable of playing that. And it's not just that 11, it's the squad players as well and giving everyone an opportunity. We're back with another podcast after the Oxford United game. Uh, thank you very much, Mike. You're more than welcome. Thank you, Watford, for giving us a win. Love it. Safe journey home, Michael. And thank you, Jason. Thank you. I can I can still see the floodlights from where I am at the top floor of my house. It's a nice, pleasant glow when... Uh, when you've won one nil in your opening game in the season. I'll pull out the plug as I walk past, Jay, so you can get some sleep. <laughs> Thanks, mate. The, the season has started. There's plenty to go. And we'll be here with From the Rookery End every Monday and also every Thursday. Come on, you horns!